Welcome everyone to the Jordan and Stefan Hour. And today we have a lot in store for you. Uh, but first I wanted to see, hey Jordan, I'm here with Jordan. And how was your spring break, man? It was good. It was good. Um, it was one of those things where like you didn't realize you needed it. Like you, you kind of knew, like everyone was pretty tired, you know, needing a little bit of a reprieve. Um, but then you actually go on the, you get away for a little while and you realize like, oh my goodness, I didn't realize it was going a hundred miles an hour and the tires were on fire. Uh, it, it was great to, it's great to get away. It was a different experience. I traveled, uh, which I know there's, you know, some debate about whether you you should travel or not, or I'm not going to get into all that. That's, that's people's personal choices. You know, I decided to travel. I had both my shots, wore a mask. Um, I didn't go anywhere crazy. I went to Duluth, Minnesota, but it was a unique uh, experience where I had to wear a mask all day as I traveled to the airport. Um, COVID is still very much a real thing. Uh, I was at a, uh, I was at the Minneapolis airport for a long time. And, you know, that's a pretty big international hub. There's a lot of people moving through that spot. So you can see how that could be a potential risk. Um, but what I tried to do is you just, you, if the terminal you were supposed to go to or the gate is, you know, A16, what I, what I tend to do is I look at like, oh, A4 has no one in it. And I'm going to go sit in A4 for the whole time while I'm just waiting for my, my plane to get ready to board. Um, so it wasn't, uh, it didn't feel risky because you were able to take steps to, to mitigate that. And the nice thing, I don't know if they're still doing this, but the airline that I flew with was putting seats between people. And that was not only nice for the reassurance with COVID, but it was also nice because I am 6'4", and I barely fit into those seats. So the fact that I got a little extra room, it was, it was a treat, man. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Like I was, part of my brain was like, this, this pandemic stuff is fantastic. It gives me a little extra space, which, you know, that's, that's not the right perspective to, to have. But in that moment, it was appreciated. So getting away was great, very needed. Uh, were you able to get away at all? Yeah, um, we ended up going and spending some time with my family, which was which was really nice. You know, being able to get together with family is is really good. But we we didn't have quite the adventure that you did. You know, we're a little bit more close knit, not around a whole lot of people. You know, but in your experience, kind of just makes me think about just what we were going to talk about today. Anyways, was um, decisions and how tough decisions are in COVID and how. The world changing so much because of COVID, not only is it tough to make the decisions, but the amount of decisions that are now coming up um, versus how it was before, you know, just even going on vacation, all of a sudden you're having to make um, a ton of different decisions that you've never have had to really think of or even really make before. Yeah, no, absolutely. there were a lot of decisions like that. I, I'm really happy that 
uh, I wasn't starting being a, a elementary school principal when COVID happened. I know some people who COVID happened during the first year of their being a principal or being a teacher. And those people had an Olympics in ramping up in decision-making and the difference being uh, for, for some more experienced people, they had more of a background of like how we might begin to answer these questions. For new people, uh, there was very little framework that they could lean on. And, and beyond that, normally, like in my first year as a principal, I'd call you all the time and I'd be like, Stefan, here's a situation. Uh, I'm thinking through it and here's what I'm thinking, but I don't know if I've accounted for everything. Can you help talk, talk through this with me? And people now don't have that luxury. Uh, you can't, you can't call like the, the more experienced person who's been like, oh yes, for my experience with the last pandemic, here's how we handled that. That's not a thing right now. So decision-making is taking on a whole, it's like the what's the star wars thing about like the final frontier this is the final frontier of uh, okay we gotta uh, correct you real quickly it's not star what? wars you need to you need to correct that that's star trek no, that's star wars that's star trek but uh, the final frontier these are the voyagers of the starship enterprise that's star trek but uh yeah that's okay though i mean agree to it's, it's not the same but it we i think i understand your where you're going with this though so just saying well, uh, <laughs> I'm sure the uh, the Jedi of the Starship Enterprise had a lot of decisions that they needed to make that they didn't have context for, <laughs> and that's what I'm trying to get at. Is there's there's not a lot of background here for how we how we approach a lot of the decisions we've had to make this year. Right, and going back to what you're saying about you know first year administrators or teachers and you know, not having someone there with the experience to, to really help them navigate this. Because uh, when, you, when you go on an expedition or whatever you want to, and you hire a person to help you navigate, you want them to know that it would be like hiring someone who's never been out there before <laughs> and uh, showing you that. And that's kind of what's happened in, in COVID. And, but what I've also said to our first years here is that that is a disadvantage but it's also an advantage for them because they don't know anything different they don't have anything to draw upon that's just kind of a normal it became their normal year it's all they know of in that position and so it, it allowed them to think through different things way differently than us who are trying to rely upon experiences that just weren't there and um, i think they were able to move a little bit quicker through some of that stuff as tough as it is on everyone good point um yeah i i can see it not only the advantage for for new people not having necessarily the background to compare against and that this is a new experience regardless i know that i've seen it in my kindergarten students where uh, we had before covid started we had some pretty big doubts about if they were going to be able to you know these are kids who a lot of them have not had any socialization or a lot of hygiene practice or masking practice. And we needed all three of those things to be very much in place uh, in order for, for school to be a reality. And they've done fantastic. 
Um, so I, I can see how people coming in with, with an experience that doesn't interfere with their present reality can actually make it easier. One of the challenges in decision-making is we have been faced a lot of times this year with making decisions where you're choosing the lesser of two bad decisions, right? Uh, like I can think of an example of when masking first became a conversation, there were a lot of people who were on both sides of the masking issue. And the problem was you can't pick one of those. You can't pick two masks. You can't pick not to mask without severely upsetting a portion of the population, right? Uh, and so what we did uh, in Livingston is we tried to read as much as we could about it, understand it as much as we could, and then err as much into the side of caution uh, as we could try to keep uh, kids and adults as safe as, as we could. But knowing that, even as we went through that process very carefully, we were gonna upset people. You know, people were not going to be happy with us. And unfortunately, there have been a lot of situations this year where we have had to weigh those things out and know that, all right, we have to try to make the better decision here, but knowing that we're gonna take bullets no matter, no matter what we decide. Uh, and that's been, that's also been a weighing process that has, that has taken a toll on people. I've seen that. Absolutely. It's, it rings true uh, for me exactly with what you're saying. Um, I relate with that really well. And, you know, that, there's a lot there that I think we need to unpack in that because I think for people to really understand, I mean, for one, let's just start here. Leadership is about making decisions, right? And it's how you do that that makes you a better leader. Are you, you know, bringing people in? Are you, are you just, are you always out front of everyone? Are you in, in the middle of them? Are you behind them sometimes? How, how does that work? But our job is to navigate and, and to be able to eventually make decisions on you know, where we're going in a pandemic when you don't have the time to do what you normally would do to be a good leader. You just have to go and make decisions. And I think the decisions were coming very quickly. And the hardest part with that was that you try to base it off of good information, but when the information changes <laughs> constantly, mm -hmm. I mean, it was like, I, I know at the beginning of this, um, you know, I used to be out front in my community quite a bit doing videos. When the pandemic hit, we kind of just, I kept to it a little bit, but then once we started preparing for the next school year, information just was changing at rapid speed. And it was like, if I put something out there, it was going to change. And then I was going to look like an idiot because I'm saying one thing based off this information that was there and then it changes again. And so I stopped doing that because I didn't want, I didn't want to look like a fool all the time because it just changed so quickly. And it's like, how do you make decisions based on information that is constantly changing? Talk about a frustration you know, it's like, just give us the information so we can go. And it was just back and forth. And so we went down roads for a while and then had to reverse because the information changed and it wasn't going to work anymore. And this wasn't just an education. This was all over the place. I mean, I know the health departments and everything were, you know, same, same thing, you know, it, the 
and that and that made it really tough and that, that's one of the things that made it really tough it is it is and something you so you you said that at one point people were just like just give us the information just decide man we got that we got that as well like you guys just need to decide just need to decide what we're doing there was so much to consider and every time you would near uh, like okay i think we need to go this direction another piece of information would come up that would convolute the entire process and so it was so difficult to people wanted decisions but it was an impossible evolving calculus to try to make and keep those decisions so it was a very laborious process and there are still things that are uh, what would be a good way to call it like uh, active decisions decisions that are still playing out that we're continuing to monitor um, and try to evolve to to the new information that's coming out yeah and we're in the same spot with that you know with having to still try to do that and weigh things to make a good decision um, that's still a thing and we are we're, we're still working through that but the nice thing is is it's not as many <laughs> many decisions that it was before i mean it was just a constant thing where you had all these decisions that you had to make and it was and like you said everyone was just wanting a decision so they could plan and we wanted to make a decision so that we could plan but when the information was changing, you didn't want to go too far down one road and have it change again. And so you, you had to, to do that. And, you know, when you're making decisions, you know, you mentioned this already where, you know, you said it was a lesser of two bad decisions. And I've been telling people, you know, people that the saying the lesser of two evils. And um, at times that's how I felt. And at times it was like, I didn't feel like there was a lesser of the two evils. How do you mean? Um, I think, I think they both were to me think routes that I did not want to go mm. at all. And it was really difficult to figure out which one was the better of the two, the lesser of the two, however you want to say that. Mm -hmm. And that was really difficult, but we had to make a decision. And so we ended up making a decision. One of the things I found out about myself is I'm a risk taker and I always have been my whole life. I've just always been a risk taker, but when it comes to other people, I am not a risk taker. I am more uh, prone to side on the side of caution out of people's health, which I don't think is a bad thing, but I've, I did not know that until uh, this pandemic hit that, you know, everything was based off of, you know, you have to make this decision of these, these are your choices. And I didn't want either one of them. I didn't think that either one of them, but there really wasn't a middle ground. There wasn't anything that you could do. It was, it was kind of a black and white thing, like decide mass. You either have mass or you don't have mass. There's really not an option. You can make it optional, but the optional route was just going to make everyone. I mean, you could put that in there if you wanted to, but you know, you'd have a lot of people and you would have consequences of that decision and, and so forth. And, you know, besides the legalities and all the things that went into that, you know, it, so it, it, that was difficult. It was really difficult to navigate when you don't feel like there's any of the good roads. And one of the things I had to kind of come to grips with, and this was hard, it took me a while, but I realized there is no best decision. There was no best decision mm -hmm. because you're going to, lack of a better word, piss people off. <laughs> you know, you're going to 
piss people off no matter what decision. And so I kind of came up with this thing. I said, you know, there is no best decision. We can just do our best, mm-hmm. you know, or, or a better way is there's no best decision. We, we just have to do our best and that's all we can do. And even in our best, you know, people are not going to be happy because in their viewpoint, they would have done something different. And in our viewpoint, it ended up being, but I don't know if you would have, if you were sitting in the seat type of a thing. Mm-hmm. And so this perception was really difficult and it's created a lot of um, hard feelings towards our school district, um, you know, towards the community as a whole, towards, you know, there's just, and I, and I know our community is not the only one going through this. This oh, has yeah. brought up a lot of feelings, a lot of really hard feelings towards mm-hmm. things. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, that's a great example. Like, uh, the masks one is it's it's still complicated it's still polarizing and so maybe this is a not a good one to try to like sift through this decision making process with or maybe it's the perfect one to sift through the decision making process with but you know like we we have made a uh, a kind of decision to collaborate with our health department on um you know what our what our safety protocols are going to be, and and they have been instrumental uh, in in guiding this process. We've really been leaning on them for a lot of that information. But with masks, you know, we have decided to keep masks um, that you know on balance. Like you said, sitting in this position on balance, it is the right thing to do. It's not the perfect thing to do but it is the right thing to do on balance. Um, And we have had a segment of our population who is none too pleased with us uh, to to put it nicely. Um, But if we had said, okay, that segment of the population, like, you know, you guys have reasonings that you feel ardently about, we're going to allow for uh, not wearing masks we would have had an equal or, or greater portion of the population who uh, responded vehemently in the other direction. And the the option of, well, you can wear masks, you can't, or like, it's up to you. Uh, that's a little bit like saying, you know, if whether you wear a seatbelt is up to you. And I may have just taken an inflammatory topic and tried to ameliorate it with another inflammatory topic. <laughs> but um, I think the point stands were like, on balance, you should wear a seatbelt, right? Um, some people don't think so. Some people are like, you know, for whatever reason, I'm not going to do that. Um, and we just have to, like you said, when it comes to other people that we feel uh, a charge of, like they are under our care. I am going to err on the side of caution. I am going to make a decision on balance that tries to help care for the most number of people. And while it hasn't been perfect by a long shot, I actually think it's gone pretty well. Yeah. And I think um, I, I agree with you on that in a lot of areas. You know, one of the one of the things when you were talking that came up in my head was you know, when you're looking at leadership and having to make tough decisions, it's it's about going through all the different choices that you have. We've been talking about, you know, even if it's trying to find the lesser of, of two bad decisions or not one, like not thinking either one of them is a good decision. However you do, you still have to weigh the consequence, right? Every decision has consequences. 
those consequences can be either positive or negative. And most people, when they think of consequences, they just think of negative, but there's positive consequences, there's negative consequences, but all decisions have consequences. And our job is to make sure that we are looking at both sides of this, what are the positive consequences? What are the negative consequences? And so when you take a subject like mass and you have to, you have to go through that. If people are not going through all of those, you know, it's pretty easy to make a decision based off of how you feel, but our job is to go through that. And, and our job is to also then explain those decisions as to what are those consequences. And so, you know, one of the things like in our community, when we talked about mass, and decided to keep them there was there was many things that that came up and there was both sides to this and there was you know so much information that you had to look through but um, what i had to try to convey to people is the consequences right so by keeping or not keeping the mass mandate in our schools what that looks like and the people who wanted them to go away you know, if you were to do that, there was consequences, both positive and negative. Um, but the negative consequences, you have to ask yourself, can I live with those consequences? Some of the consequences would be staff who have compromised immune systems who decided, you know, they were not going to be at school anymore because they did not, their doctor did not want them to take the risk. And so in our district, that was quite a bit of people. And in order to do that, then you would then have to, they could go online and then you'd have to put a, someone in the classroom um, for them. And so you're gonna, you're adding more staff, more money to do that. And how are you going to come up with that money? That was one of the, you know, the first things that we had to, to figure out. If that happened, what would we do that? Now, could we have done that? Yeah, you can, it's a choice, right? You could do that. And this is really simply, there's a lot more to this, but, but then where does that road go to? So that road goes to, okay, so where did you get the staff to fill in those spots? And for us, it was like seven to nine people. Well, we would have to steal from our sub pool, which we had to build up because when you have staff gone, you can't have school unless you can fill the spots, you have to have staff. And so subs became a huge piece um, to how we survived this year. And so we had a sub drive, we had a big push to get subs and luckily our community just rocked it. They saved our middle school twice from going remote and going online. It was huge. But one thing in our community, there's two things that they absolutely, for the most part, they do not like, they do not like mass and they do not like you know, online learning. And so we were trying to protect that at all costs. Well, you get rid of the mask, this domino effect happened where all of a sudden you have teachers leave, use ADA um, accommodations, you know, you fill in with your sub list and all of a sudden our sub list is down. And if something happens, there's a, the percentage of going online just went through the roof. And, you know, which one would you rather have? Would you rather have masks for kids um, through the remainder of the year and protect not, you know, I don't, I don't think our percentage of going online is, I mean, it's, it's close to zero. We've put things in place. I don't worry about that anymore. Um, like I did in the fall because we had things put in place. Um, but if we were to have done reverse, all of a sudden that 
changes that dynamic. And now all of a sudden our odds of going remote go up quite a bit. And, and it's those things, it's that piece that is hard to convey to other people when some people just feel like it's really easy. You just don't do it or you do it. And there's just a lot of other pieces. I mean, there's way more even in that um, conversation. I mean, we could talk about mass for hours just in all of the different aspects to it. But that's, that's one thing I know that um, I know we had to convey here as to this isn't as simple as just getting rid of it. There's lots of consequences. If you can take care of this, you can take care of this. This, these are the consequences. Are you okay with those consequences? So, and that was that was one piece as well. That's a that's a perfect example um, of this is just one topic of decision making, and you just talked through probably four or five minutes of not everything you consider just a just a tip of the spear of what you considered in that decision making process mm -hmm. and what i want to back up to you know i'd mentioned earlier about you know oh man this would be tough if you're a first year teacher a first year educator the truth is we're all first year pandemic educators right so this is this is new territory for all of us and the decision making process involved in all of that is a weighty thing if you are a first year person if you're a 10 year person if you're a 20 year person and you are feeling the weight of all of these decisions that's okay like i, I think sometimes people underestimate the the energy and the mental capacity that is required in decision making um, if you think about you know, kind of like passively receiving a decision. It doesn't take a lot of energy. Making that decision takes a lot. Uh, it's a little bit like watching a play versus putting on a play. If you're putting on a play, you are extremely mentally active. You are thinking about what you have to say. You are thinking about what lines come next. You're thinking about who needs to be where on the stage. If you're just watching the play, you're just watching the play. Like, the decision-making process is extremely active. How hard is it to make, like people, it turns into fights when it gets to be like 7.30 at night and you're talking to your boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, whatever it is. And you're like, hey, what do we want to watch tonight? You're like, I don't know, you pick. You're like, I don't want to pick, you pick. Like that one little decision ends up being like a fight because if uh, you know people just don't want to take the like mental energy to like yeah well what I'd really like to watch is something like this I'm kind of in the mood for that I'm not sure how you're feeling but I think we're gonna go like let's try this and and even that little bit is like you you pick I I want to bring attention to that for two reasons like a if you are working with someone who's had to make a lot of these decisions, please give them a little bit of latitude, give them a little bit of support that it has been an involved process this year. And B, and all of us have had to make decisions. This is everyone. All of us have had to make new and difficult decisions this year. And if you are feeling the weight of that, that's okay. Like, it's okay to feel that way, whether you're a first-year person or a 20-year person. If you're feeling the weight of all those decisions, that's okay. 
give yourself a little bit of latitude to know that you are not alone in feeling the weight of all of those things. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, what you described was something I've felt. And when I go home, it's that decision fatigue, you know, when you're making so many decisions, you go home and you don't want to make decisions because you have to do it over and over. And, and then you have this dynamic where no one really wants to make a decision because that's all they've been doing because COVID has really put that to the forefront on, you know, there's just so many more decisions than you've ever had before, or maybe, and maybe it's not more, maybe it's just, we haven't thought of it because the decisions are just more automatic and you don't really think of it in your conscious brain. But now because it is so new, you're having to move it into your conscious brain. And, and that makes that really difficult. But that decision fatigue is a real, real thing. I'm sure many people probably have gone through that as well. Yeah, um, I'm sure that's true for, for a lot of folks. Um, I know it's true for me. So Stefan, my natural state, I would call it, is I like to be a people pleaser. Um, that is how I like to function. Uh, it's part of the reason I got into education is I want to care about people. I want to support people. Uh, I like to help people. That has been a difficult part of making decisions for me because as we've been talking about, you're going to make decisions that people are going to perceive it as you don't care about them. And that I am aware of that and it makes it that much more difficult to make those decisions. Absolutely. I am also a people pleaser and have been um, because that's why I got went into education. So I relate with you um, very well. And I think being a leader, being a people pleaser is not a good way to make decisions, right? Because mm -hmm. we have found out in COVID and this has always been the case, but it's just so much more prevalent and right there that you absolutely, just like you said, cannot <laughs> please everyone. And you're absolutely going to make a lot of people very upset. It used to be where, yeah, you'd have some people upset before and, but you could usually work together and get people into the middle to try to, you know, make a, a fairly good decision where you're not making a lot of too many people mad And this. That's what's been so frustrating for me is the polarization of everything um, has made it so difficult for people to come into the middle and make good decisions. People just don't, don't want to work together because it's really difficult because they just don't understand the other side or they don't want to understand the side. And there's just so many different people are in so many different places. And so when you don't have that ability, or maybe it's even just the time, it could just be the time. We just have the time to really do the process like we normally would to where we can get people in the middle. So you really are stuck when you're a people pleaser, like I'm going to make a lot of people upset and doesn't matter what you do. I mean, most of the people who talk to me, they're just like, we know that you're not going to make everyone happy, but you need to do it this way. You knew, you should not have been making that call. And, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, you want to point back out to them. It's like, yeah, unfortunately you're just on the other side of it this time, you know, and I, that's unfortunate. And it's not like we were making this decision because of you and to make you mad. And we're just trying to do our best, you know, and in the situation with everything that we have and it, it is, it is tough, especially when you, you know, you want to be a people pleaser. I mean, I've had people here 
and this could be another couple hour conversation, but when you're a people pleaser and you have to make decisions and you know, you can't make decisions based off of that. And so we haven't been, but you still want people to like you and, and at least work with you. But I have a lot of people who supported me and supported our school district that no longer do. And, you know, they're not even willing to talk with me. And so I've reached out to some of them and won't even have conversations and, and that becomes really difficult because you don't want them to feel that way. You want them to understand your side and why you made decisions the way you did or had to give information out to, to the board that made the decisions or whatever that is. And that that's hard. It's hard. And so a lot of people are like, oh, you just have to have tough skin. And I always tell people, I don't want tough skin. If I have tough skin, that means I'm not caring for people. Yeah, I become calloused. And I don't want that. I mean, do I want that personally? Yeah, I would love it that I could just take it, right? <laughs> it, it would be nice, but I would not be me anymore because I wouldn't, I would have to stop caring about what people said mm -hmm. in order to, to do that. Um, that would change who I am and that's not okay with me. And so it's been, how do you deal with it then? That becomes hard. Yeah, I mean, when people say, you know, I know you don't want to upset people, um, but you just need to do this. They're, they're lobbying for their position, right? It's 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 not a a nuanced uh, approach. I have become increasingly, um, you know, the two two opposite sides of the of the spectrum right now. People call alt right and alt left, and I have adopted the term that I am alt centrist. <laughs> More like I am, uh, I am extremely in the middle, <laughs> and uh, I, I, I want to be there. I don't want to be on a side. I want to exist in the middle where I can try to hear people from both sides and really digest diverse ideas and perspectives and. If you part of, part of this is like you know science has been a key component of COVID, right? And we 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 want to get into talking about some data and how that informs decision making, but part of science has now become polarized, where you can have a data set, but depending on your perspective, you may interpret it differently than someone else. And so, if you are limiting yourself to one perspective you may only see a data set in one way where i want to i want to live in the middle and i want to understand a diverse set of opinions and perspectives that can then inform like okay so if i understand all of this how does it really all fit together what can i uh what can i get out of it in order to try to make the best decision because in some ways, it might be easier to live in like, this is my perspective. And if I live in this perspective, I see the world in this way. And it, it is easier for me to, uh, to interpret the world and know how I feel about things. That sounds comforting. <laughs> that actually <laughs> sounds pretty darn good. Um, but I don't want to do that. I don't know if I can do that. I want to reach out and understand like okay you know why does someone else view this entirely different than i do and i want to try to incorporate that into my understanding and my decision making process so 
data has said a lot of things over the course of this past year, but how we interpret that data has become itself a game of perspectives. And that polarization makes it, you know, really tough, but how do you understand both sides or both perspectives or all the different perspectives so you can make that good decision? I think that's, that's really important, but, you know, has been really difficult. It's been really difficult. You know, when you're looking at data that's coming from over here and data that's coming from over here and it's like which one do you choose right i mean there's studies over here and studies over here studies that show mass work studies that show that masks are not effective and and so then it's like which one do you go off of and then if someone's talking to you they're obviously going to use where they live which is over here another person's going to come and talk about where they live and where they're at is over here and how do you to do that because in all my conversations there hasn't been one time where i thought that person was crazy you know i mean i i can i can listen and i can hear their perspective and understand exactly where they are coming from and i i feel for them and so forth and that's a hard place to be in when you can have two totally opposite people coming and not really knowing which one and how do you do that and which one do you choose and so then you have to just go by you know like for us public schools we have to go by what the health department's saying what the you know the state's saying what the cdc is saying i mean that's where we have to lie because if we don't and we find ourselves in court that's what they're going to be asking us you know if we didn't follow those things and something did happen, they would say, well, didn't you know about this? Well, yeah, well, why didn't you do that? Well, we saw this other piece of data, but these are the people that you're supposed to be listening to. And it's just like, I mean, where do you end up on that? Especially when you have to really stand your ground to make you know, decisions against what they're saying, if you're going to use something else and then be willing to suffer the consequences of what that decision might look like. And I know for board members in a public school, a lot of people don't understand that they are, uh, they're the one and like people in um, a school system that can, you know, really be held personally liable for things, um, depending on certain situations. And that's a tough position to be in, you know, that makes it even harder for them to take stands against what public schools have to have to do and what they have to follow. And people just don't understand that. But, you know, it's, it's hard when you can understand everyone and you feel for them and you want to help them out in some way if it's they want to keep themselves and other people safe i know everyone wants that but then other people are feeling like no this is you know it's mental health we need to do that the risks of health wise you know the body is lower than the mental health and we need to do this and it's like yeah it's like how do you there's no solution there's no living in the middle to find a solution for all of that you know you just can't do it and I wish you wish you could, but you're you're totally right. Um, you know, it's it's man, some of these some of these decisions have just been impossible uh, to. This is this is going to be a bad analogy, but um, I don't know if you've ever read the book, The Managers of Savo. I'm not. Okay, so it's a book by I want to say like a Colonel Patterson, um, and it was about. Uh, this railroad that was being built in Africa in the early 1900s. And I read this a long time ago, so I'm not gonna have my story 100% accurate. But um, there, was a, there was an issue where they had tons of uh, locals working on that project. 
and there's an issue with these two lions who were killing people um and this guy was torn between worlds of like uh i remember one one example he was like he, he set up this stand i don't know what you'd call it where he's like uh, there's this lion kill and they come back to kills and they do that and um, he was going to sit there all night I wanted to be here and here and here because I could have protected different groups of people, but he couldn't. And so he made decisions based on the best information he had, but like, okay, I think I need to be right here in this moment. And I mean, eventually it worked out and they were able to safely uh, complete the railroad. But for a long time, he was conflicted between I know that by virtue of being in this spot, protecting these people, I'm leaving everyone else vulnerable. And for us, that's a that's a hyperbolic example, but not completely, um, because there are parallels there. Of uh, you know, for us in moments, being present and making decisions for uh, for a lot of us, they've been made on balance of uh, utilitarianism, the the most good for the most number of people but not everyone. And therefore the people who weren't included in that the most good for the most people feel very neglected. How do we, how do we, how do we solve for that? Yeah. And how do you show value to them? I mean, I'm listening mm-hmm. to you talk and reflecting and that hits head on a lot of my frustration this year is not knowing how to show value to people that are on the other side of the decision. Mm-hmm. I understand their point. I am, a lot of the times I probably agree with them probably Mm -hmm. more so than I do the decision that we're making, but it's Mm -hmm. the decision that we need to make for our school district. And so how do I have those conversations and let them know that their opinion does matter, even though we are not picking what they want us to do. And You know, there's been a lot of conversations and people have been really upset with me because I gave them either too much time um, listening to them and they felt like that meant that I should change my mind. And even if it wasn't really anything for me to change, you know, or, you know, there was just so many different situations, but it's hard to you know, it goes back to that people pleaser thing where you want to, you know, please people even in the midst of the decisions and you know, you even can't. And even if you try to, it's not going to be perceived that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then the question is, is what do you do? Do you just not do it? And I don't think that's the right answer. I'm going to always be who I am and I'm always going to try to show value, even if that's not how it's going to be perceived. And I don't really have an answer to that yet as to, you know, how to do that. I can just be who I am and, um, give my time to people and show them that I'm listening and getting a shared perspective and um, caring what they think. Uh, it's just hard when they, that perspective is that, you know, you were going to do whatever you were going to do anyways. Why did you give me this time? And that wasn't necessarily the case. You know, there's that balance between showing value and, but then also protecting that perception. And I don't, I don't really know the answer to that, but well, it, it starts with time. I mean, you you don't want to not give that time to listen to that person and try to hear out their perspective and have them feel heard. Um, but I think it probably the answer is still more time. And that's a difficult thing right now because everything is so compressed and there's so many things happening right now that we're trying to have complex conversations in the time span of like, while you pass someone on the highway. And like, 
And what do you think about masking? <laughs> that was that was as much time as we had for that conversation. Um, we just even in the example you gave, um, it would have required more time for a that person to be able to share their perspective and uh, and and how they're feeling, and then you to be able to adequately have the time to absorb and understand that perspective, incorporate it into your understanding, and then as needed potentially to then figure out how to share with that person your perspective uh, that maybe incorporates things that they hadn't considered, but that takes a lot more time. And so it's just, it's very difficult right now to, to have all those conversations when the more vehemently someone feels about something, the more time it is going to take for them to share that perspective understand, ask questions, get all of their ideas for why they feel that way, and then begin to have a complex conversation about, okay, I think I understand you. I'm going to paraphrase and try to uh, repeat back so that I know we have a shared understanding of where you're at. And then a, a continued conversation that includes all the complexities that you have in your mind. Like that could be a day long conversation with someone and we just don't have, we're doing hundreds of conversations a day. We just don't have the time to be able to, to go through and have that depth of conversation with any given person. And so it is unfortunately just the world is moving fast enough that we don't have the time to connect with people on in an adequate in an adequate way to come to shared understandings. Right. It's a good way to, I think, kind of end where we're at with this topic about making decisions in COVID. I mean, we could literally do this for hours because there's so many things that we did not touch on and so forth. But I think the, the question I have, and I'd like to, you know, talk with you a little bit about with wrapping this up is, this is our third podcast on, COVID and the difficulties mm -hmm. and so forth. You know, this one focused a lot on decisions and how difficult it is to make decisions for a leader because of the polarization, you know, trying to please people, people getting upset no matter what, the data being all over the place, um, information changing, all these different things, right? You know, how do we in education and as leaders help move things forward? Mm -hmm. Because even though we're still in this pandemic, you know, we are in a different spot than we were before. There is this polarization of where people are at. How do we get people back to the middle to move forward together? I mean, I think that is probably one of the most key questions moving forward is how do we do that? That's a great question and a really big question that is applicable to not only COVID, the COVID conversation, but to a lot of conversations that are, I mean, the country is by the numbers more polarized than ever. And so this is whatever lesson we're able to, if we have a solve for this, we need to share it out with the nation uh, because uh, there's a lot of people who can benefit uh, from this. So I don't know that we will have the, uh, the perfect solve for this, so I, I'm, I'm given to understand by what you're saying that this isn't going to be the, the Jordan and Stefan COVID hour. We're, we're, we're actually <laughs> going to talk about other things. Yeah, get, it, get into more educational 
non-COVID topics would be nice. Uh, yeah. That sounds great. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, yeah, you know, I think um, one of the ways to start with this, this is a lot of times what I come back to is just your circle of influence and knowing that for some of the most profound things, the circle needs to be, the circle can't be enormous. You know, if you take someone like, I don't know, trying to think of who's like a neutrally respected person in the world. Let's just take uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. I don't know. There are some people who probably don't like him, I'm sure, whatever. But if you take someone like Neil deGrasse Tyson, and if he has to take on a topic that is extraordinarily complex and people have tightly held views about, if he puts out a 10 minute video, that's like, well, this is the right perspective. People who weren't in a position to hear that are not going to be convinced by it. And so um, the, the simplest solution and probably the most effective solution is just to have a, a circle of people, your circle of influence that you can begin to have these types of conversations in complex ways. And then those people will have a slightly different circle of influence that they can start to have those conversations. And you, you begin to have this web of hopefully increasingly nuanced understanding perspectives and knowing that for you and I in our respective communities, we're not gonna change our community's mind. And people are going to hold on to their ideas and they should like you said a lot of people have ideas that are extremely valid on different sides of issues um, but what we need to do is just with the people that we have closest to us is have those conversations openly honestly and allow the space for shared understandings not approaching conversations with i know the ideas i have the right ones i need to change this person's mind if any of us approach a conversation that way, we're dead in the water. So everyone approaching conversations with an ear to, okay, I might feel this way, but in order to advance the conversation globally or on a larger scale, I need to come into this conversation and really seek to understand at a personal level why a person holds the ideas that they do and not that I'm going to change my ideas and adopt theirs and they shouldn't have that expectation, but that we both grow a little bit closer together in our shared understanding. That has to be the goal. Absolutely agree a hundred percent to that, Jordan. And I've learned a lot through this pandemic. That's an understatement. I think one of the, the pieces I used to always feel like I did I really tried to get shared understanding with people. It made it really difficult when I lost a lot of influence because of the decisions the district were having to make. And so how do you start having those conversations? What does that look like? Especially when people aren't wanting to talk to you because they, mm -hmm. they, they do not like you like they used to, or, you know, maybe they were always questioning. Now they're just like, Hey, that guy's, you know, whatever. Um, and, and that, is hard and so for me it's been how do i get around people who are willing to have that to understand that shared perspective 
um, and get and understand that, hey, we do have different viewpoints. How do we seek and understand the other side? So how do I bring people in like that so I can hear that, you know, and that and that usually comes when people are reaching out to me and then I try to give them a um, you know, the time to listen to them and so forth. And one of the most key pieces of this for me was a, a person in our community who was adamantly, adamantly against what we were doing. Um, they wrote letters to my, you know, emails to myself and the board and came and did public comment, did everything that they should do to try to get their point across. And, you know, something you said is, you know, you didn't quite say it this way, but I'm going to sum it up by saying this. It's okay to have different, it's okay to have different viewpoints. It's totally okay. You know, and it was what makes us stronger. But right now in society, it's almost like it should not exist. Like those people over there don't have the same view. So I'm not going to talk to them. And that's, and it should be the opposite. We should want to talk to them to seek to understand, to see where they're coming from. So we can solve problems. Well, this person kept calling me. We had a lot of conversations. And one time on the phone, they just finally stopped and said, Stefan, how can I help? And I just started laughing. <laughs> I hate saying that, but I did. Cause I, I'm like, I, I'm sorry to laugh. I just never had anybody ask me that question. You know, I'm like, there are so many different ways. And I said, one way we can start is I would love to start having meetings with you. And so I, I want to hear your side, but I also want you to hear my side. And then we can then maybe hopefully solve problems. And, and in all honesty, that person helped develop a little group that would come. And they were all adamantly against what we were doing, but we met and we were able to, uh, I was able to tell them what we were dealing with. And so they got a different perspective and to see that it wasn't as easy. And one of the biggest things was staffing. We couldn't, we couldn't staff our staff being gone. We didn't have enough subs. And so they made a sub drive and that's not necessarily what, got us where we needed to go but it was a catalyst for everything and so it was single-handedly what got us back to doing what they wanted by just helping us with the problems that we had to try to make it best and so it, it was a really good example for me as to you know how do you work through problems like this when things are polarized you have to have people willing to say how can I help mm-hmm. You have to be have people willing to seek to understand. I mean, everything that we're talking about. And if you have that, that's really what it is. I mean, a couple of years ago, we started a, a movement. I don't know what it would be called, called Stronger Together. And we really wanted this to become a movement. And, you know, it kind of fall off, fell off the table. But the whole purpose was to get people with different views and get them everyone to understand what the issues are and how do we come together to solve these. And it's something that we're looking at trying to start again. And it's the most appropriate time to start it because now we really need it. We really need to be able to come together, seek to understand the other side, be willing to say, how can I help? And so for anybody out there that's listening who doesn't understand why people are making decisions that they're making. Maybe it's a boss, maybe it's, you know, whoever. My suggestion to everyone is do the same thing this community member did with me. It was the best thing that anybody's ever said to me was, how can I help? How can I help? It was as simple as that. And it's what got us moving. And she got more of what she wanted by asking that simple phrase and actually following through with it than how she was going about it before not that how she was going about it before you know it was still good to have that information it was just different 
So that's what I encourage every single person to do is just ask those questions, that question, how can I help? I love that. I love that. I think that is a beautiful example of how the genuine unamended olive branch is still one of the most powerful tools in the entire social construct that is just as a great example thank you for sharing that one stefan we've probably gone an hour plus uh, at this point you and i have had a great conversation i always enjoy the chance to to talk with you and we will be back again in a couple weeks with a non-covid topic non-covid we can't promise that it won't meld into covid because unfortunately i know it's, it's on everyone's mind but we're definitely going to pick something that is not uh covid in nature so well thank you buddy i appreciate the time thank you for the conversation as always it has been a pleasure absolutely this has been the jordan and stefan hour and until next time be kind and love like crazy i love that that's a good sign off